So this is a picture that strikes fear into every Chiefs fan. How do you dislocate your knee on a quarterback sneak? And uh, I can't figure out whether he's going to be out four weeks, three weeks, or one week. So we'll just have to wait and see. But who would have thought last week that we would be saying that the Chiefs defense wow. and quarterback Matt Moore would help us to crush Denver 30-6? to six. That's amazing. So... <coughs> We get to play, unfortunately, we get to play the Green Bay Packers this week. Rodney, my uh, only hope is, you know, I think of the fact that Drew Brees went out and his replacement, Teddy Bridgewater, who's nothing special, has taken New Orleans to four straight wins. And Kyle Allen has replaced Cam Newton and taken Carolina to four straight wins. So who knows? We could actually pull an upset over the Green Bay Packers. Let's hope so. It was a big win, Rodney, on Saturday over uh, by for K-State. It was. Um, we didn't play very well, I didn't think. Uh, but we pulled it out. It was a gutsy win. And uh, just kind of, I think this year, this year, next year, we'll be building those foundation blocks. And I like the grittiness. I like the toughness. Our defense looks a lot better than it has over the last couple of years. And so, yeah, we'll see. What do you think of Skyler Thompson? He's he uh, showing some character. He is showing some grit, showing so, showing some toughness. I think he's been a lot. He's been through a lot in the last couple of years, and uh, just to see him continue to fight. Hopefully, he comes back next year and uh, continues to be the leader of the team. I think if we have him as a cornerstone next year, we'll be continue to get better. And this is a team that beat uh, KU, as I recall, a few weeks ago by about 40 points. So it was quite a win. Yeah. And then you look at what KU did last week. Um, they get a new offense coordinator, and they start putting up points. And it's – I was uh, – I know this is not right for a K-State fan to feel this way, but I was kind of sad that they lost because they had – they had played <laughs> Texas that's, so well. That's big of you. <laughs> Trying to be more like Christ, and uh, uh, they uh, they played so well, got a touchdown. Who, who watched the? Did anybody watch the game? Oh, oh man, no. room full of fan. What do you mean? Der- Derek goes like this. Like I watched thirty <laughs> seconds of it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, you watched the end of it? Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's what I watched too because I was following. I think the Astros game and this game, and I was like. I was sitting on the couch like, babe, uh, KU just scored a touchdown, and they went for two, and they got it. And so I turned on the game. Then it was – Then you watch Texas drive all the way down to about the 20-yard line or whatever. Yeah, it was, in one it was minute. heartbreaking. Yeah, it was almost like the Chiefs last year. <laughs> or this year. Yeah. Yeah, that is too bad that they didn't beat, beat Texas. So this week, K-State has an easy game. Yeah. You know, just Jalen Hurts and Lincoln <laughs> Riley and all those guys. So Fifth ranked OU. Hey, they're due for a bad game. Are they? Okay. Uh, last time OU love came that to attitude. town. Yeah, I know. You got to have positive attitude. Last time OU came to town, we took them all the way down to the wire. We lost on a last-second oh, touchdown right. run by Rodney Anderson. Oh, my. So. Wow. Maybe. And KU uh, plays Texas Tech, so that'll be. 
little easier than their last couple of games. So uh, let's talk. We're, we're running a little late. Let's talk about John Maxwell's book, uh, Laws of Leadership. We've gotten up to. Now, here's what's interesting. In, in the older book I'm using, and a lot of us are using, number 13 is the law of reproduction. But it's the law of the picture in the new book, which mm-hmm. you're using. So let me whip through the law of reproduction, and then would you take us through the updated law of picture? Yeah. So basically, the law of reproduction is followers raise up followers, leaders raise up leaders. It takes a leader to raise up a leader. We produce what we are. The only way to develop other leaders is to become a better leader yourself. Isn't that interesting? Or here's another picture of it. It takes a leader to raise up leaders. What do the top NFL head coaches have in common? You can trace their leadership ability to just a handful of mentors. It is really interesting to look at just that there are they half of them come from Tom Landry and the other half come from Paul Brown or whatever. That's also true for hundreds of CEOs. More than 80% of all leaders are the result of the law of reproduction. Now, this is just John Maxwell's self-generated figure, but he says in chatting with people, his estimate is that when he asks people how they become leaders, only 10 of them say that they have a natural gift. Only five of them say it's a result of crisis. You know, the guy ahead of them died or something. 85% say it was the influence of another leader. And I think he uh, makes a really good point to point out that, that when you have a list of giant killers in Scripture, that list, uh, those are people who followed David around, and David was a giant killer. And his point is, I think, well taken, Rodney. Just as it takes a giant killer to produce other giant killers, it takes a leader to raise up other leaders. And that reminded me of Jesus' statement in Luke 6, which is really famous if you, if you get a degree in Christian education. Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Now, if you don't mind, and I'm going to ask you to jump in on this a little bit. When I see the words law of reproduction, I think of a guy right now that I really admire. He's a K-State grad. Yeah. Tyler Lockett is wide receiver this year uh, with the departure of a... Uh, of the number one wide receiver in Seattle. He, going into the season, was acknowledged as the number one wide, wide receiver in Seattle, which is kind of nice because the quarterback in Seattle is an outspoken Christian, and Tyler Lockett is an even more outspoken Christian. He's a wide receiver. He's, uh, he, his father and his uncle played for K-State, uh, Kevin Lockett, uh, and um, Aaron Lockett, and he has the hands of his father, and the speed of his uncle. So he's, he's really highly effective. And the last couple of weeks, he's made some amazing receptions. In fact, it's said that he's made the reception of the year two weeks ago when Russell Wilson was running for his life. And as he was running to his left, he twisted his body, <clears throat> flung the ball up in the air, uh, and uh, from 20 yards away or 30 yards away, and Tyler Lockett, the shortest man on the field, grabbed the ball with his toes like this, and and made it an amazing catch. Now, the interesting thing is, so, and the reason I know about this is that the father, Kevin, uh, who's a Christian, lives in Kansas City. He's a partner with a guy who goes to our church named Dwayne Cantrell. They're a partner in a $100 million investment fund that they've raised this money over the last year or two. So, uh, and... And uh, so Kevin was telling Dwayne, who told me this week, 
that, uh, that Tyler has just finished a book. He started this fall writing a book. He writes rap poetry. He's found he has a gift for writing rap poetry half a dozen years ago, and he wrote this book in one month. And the rap poetry is about his life in Christ, and it's about remaining a virgin, though he has a, uh, a girlfriend and so forth. And uh, he says, and, and so... Kevin, uh, Kevin said his son's statement to him is, Dad, I believe God allowed me to make that catch so that I would get on all the talk shows, you know, in America and in Seattle so that I, so because it was the same week my book Reflection came out, so that I could talk about this book, which is all about Christ, because my goal is to lead people to Christ through this book. It's just astounding. And, of course, they're really fixated. Adam Schefter's show kept asking him how he could remain a virgin uh, when every other uh, NFL player, you know, he said, aren't you, aren't you attacked by girls? And he said, <laughs> like it says, uh, yeah, a lot of girls come up to me all the time because I, I, he says, I think it's because I just signed an $80 million contract and whatever else. But anyway, it's, uh, he said, my goal is to reproduce. So I'm, I'm, I'm eating lunch with you yesterday, and I ask you, and you say, you know this guy. Yeah. Um, Tyler's first year at K-State was my last year. And <clears throat> if you're wondering... You played the same position, right? Yep. Uh, if you're wondering if Tyler's legit, he's legit. Uh, there's no... He was like this as a freshman. Um, you know, carrying around books that he's reading about God. Um you know, concerned about God's glory, giving God all the glory. Uh, and it's it's cool to see the way that God has used him and his platform, that God has just steadily elevated Tyler, and Tyler's doing nothing but reflecting back to God. And I think, you know, you talk about this law of reproduction. I think Tyler's going to reproduce other followers of Christ in the NFL because of... Uh, because of who he is as a person and how legitimate he is and how steadfast he is. Um, so it's, it's been cool to watch it from afar. He was one of my, one of my good friends uh, in just a short you know, season. We, we became really close. Yeah, that's cool. You said you talked to him a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can get him to come. So I, I started, the, started, started making moves to try to get his dad to come speak here. His dad, dad's up in Kansas City. But, um, but I'd rather have Tyler. So, um, See what I can do. So anyway, that's a cool story. Now, now, in the updated Maxwell book, he's replaced the law of reproduction with Kind of a similar law, but it's called the law of the picture. Would you explain that? Yeah. One? So uh, to start off, I want to ask this question. Uh, if you'll go to the next slide, Jim, how many of you guys, by show of hand, how how, how many of you guys are visual leader or visual learners? Wow. Uh, auditory learners, two or three. Reading and writing learners, four. Kinesthetic learners. What is that? Touching, touching kind of people? You're, you're, no, I'm not touching people. <laughs> but you kind of learn by, by doing. I think that's really interesting that the majority of us are visual leaders. Uh, Maxwell will say that, and he wrote this law of the picture, and, the, and his law of the picture is that people do what people see. Uh, that when leaders show the way with right actions, their followers are going to copy them, 
and they're they're going to succeed. Uh, and so, uh, and then he, he goes on to say, he says, great leaders are, they're not only visionary, but they're also highly practical because a, vision, a leader's job is to communicate the vision, but you can't rely on that all by yourself. You can't rely on just communicating where we're going, where we're going, what we want to do all alone. Why? Anybody who's been in a leadership position know that vision leaks. You go enough time without communicating the vision, communicating where you're going, and people start to lose their way. They start to get discouraged. Um, and it's the leader's effective modeling. So not only are you visionary, you cast the vision, but it's the leader's effective modeling of that vision that makes the picture of the future come alive to the followers. Um, he says the, the, uh, the better the leader's actions, the better their people's actions. It's that you're, you're painting a picture for your followers of, hey, this is where we're going. This is what, this is how we're supposed to be. Uh, let's continue to move forward as we continue to communicate the vision. So if you want to become the best leader possible, you have to practice the law of the picture. You have to model it for your employees, but you also have to remember these uh, four things. Uh, number one is that followers are always watching what you do. Um, just as children emulate their parents, Employees are going to emulate their bosses. Um, fun little story. So in, my, in our house, um, my wife doesn't like the S word. And when I say the S word, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it, it's shut up. And so she, whenever I'm jokingly telling her, I'll say, oh, shut up. She says, we don't say that in this house. I say, you may not say it in this house, but I do. Um, and so the other day, oh, probably a couple months ago, uh, I've joked around with my wife enough to, I didn't know this, but our four-year-olds picked it up. <laughs> and she's, she's smart enough not to have said it to her mother yet. I know that day is coming. But she was playing with her dolls and something, doing something. And my wife said, this is while I was at work, she, she heard her from the other room and she goes, well, you can just shut up. <laughs> play talking and she says you're in trouble when you get home I was like, yeah. but it's, it's just funny that uh, you know our children emulate what what they what they see what they hear what what we do and I think it's interesting that even our employees who is who are in their 20s 30s and 40s do the exact same thing it's the power of what you what we possess as leaders um, John Wooden's quote like <laughs> I like this. He says, show me what you can do. Don't tell me what you can do. I think followers are also telling us the same thing. Show me what you, do, you can do. Don't tell me. I want to see it in you. Um, that, because our followers, they may doubt what we say, um, but they usually believe what we do. Our jobs as supervisors, as leaders, is to create an environment. We're supposed to be catalysts. Create an environment where intelligent people are willing to follow because we've convinced them. Not because we've commanded them, but because we've convinced them by our own actions. Number two, it's easier to teach what's right than to do what's right. Uh, and he says these two things that I think is really applicable. It's nothing's more confusing than people who give good advice but set a bad example. There's also on the flip side, there's nothing more convincing than people who give good advice and they also set a good example. Um, he also says this, he says, leaders tell 
but never teach until they practice what they preach. I could be at my job all day long telling, 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 directing, 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 but my employees will never listen. The people who are... uh, who are watching me will never listen to me until I actually do what I say. Uh, number three, we should change. We should work on changing ourselves before trying to improve others. Um, the first person we're to lead is ourselves. That helps me to remain credible as a leader. Uh, number four, the most valuable gift that I can give uh, is a is a good example. It's kind of like that law of uh, reproduction that employees. They want leaders whose belief and actions line up. So I, I just have a few questions for us. How, how well do you communicate the vision of where you're going in your job, in your marriage, at home, with your kids, by your actions? Can you improve the vision that, you're, um, that you say by improving your actions? Uh, next thing is your, is your leadership fuzzy. You, people get confused by what you say in comparison to the actions that you take. Uh, next one, does your, does your life show you to believe that you are above the law of the picture? Like you think you can say one thing but do another. Uh, what is your picture? In your speech, your conduct, your attitudes, your priorities, your characters, at work, at home. Um, also, have kind of go further with this. Um, you know, we're here to, be, to, to learn about how to be successful, men of success. Uh, I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we also didn't ask the question of, we're going to be men of spiritual success as well. What's spiritual success look like? Um, you know, there's a, there's a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, that I just want to read real quick. And I, and I, and I think it's, it's really, it's a picture of how we're supposed to be spiritually as well. Uh, so it's Paul talking to Timothy, and this is Paul's last letter. So you can just imagine with the, all the emotion of Paul kind of knowing what's coming down the pipeline. He's going to be executed at some point. He knows it. And he's pinning his last letter to his beloved Timothy. And he just goes, Timothy, you, however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness, my, my persecutions, and my sufferings. And, and I was sitting there, I was wondering, if, if I were on my deathbed, if I knew something was coming down the pipeline for me or for you and you were to pin a letter to people who were closest to you and you were to say the exact same words, what pictures would they see? Would they be able to know what it means to follow Christ by your teaching, your conduct, your aim in life, your faith, your patience, your steadfastness, your persecutions that you endure? Would that give them an accurate picture of what it means to be a man, not only success in our businesses, but also spiritually? I pray that would be true of all of us. So that, the law of the picture is really a challenge for me of improving my leadership, and so is this the other chapter we want to do today, which is that people buy into the leader, and then the vision and the application of that is, of course, if nobody's following me, then maybe I need to be a better leader because people don't follow visions so much as they follow leaders. They follow worthy leaders, says Maxwell, who promote worthwhile causes. The leader and the vision always go together. The two can't be separated. The leader has to get his people to buy into 
himself first if the vision has any chance of becoming a reality. So the leader finds, I love this line, the leader finds the dream and then he finds the people. The people, however, it's in the reverse order. The people find the leader and then the dream. They don't at first follow worthy causes, they follow worthy leaders who promote worthwhile causes. They want to go along with people they get along with. So I like this graph in his chapter. If, if, if people are not buying into the leader and they're not buying into the vision, what you do is, of course, you get another leader. If they don't buy into the leader, but they do buy into the vision, you still need to get another leader. If they do buy into the leader, but they don't buy into his vision, they get another vision. Gives an interesting example about uh, Bill Clinton, how Bill Clinton's followers, even when he was misbehaving, stopped buying into maybe a certain vision he had about how to treat women, but they still bought into Bill Clinton. They buy into the leader and the vision, then you get behind the leader. And so I went on and I was thinking, okay, who are the great leaders that I would follow to the end of the earth? you know, as an American. And, you know, you Wikipedia, the five greatest leaders, perhaps, of, uh, in American history, and they have a list of Ronald Reagan, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., George Washington, and Ben Franklin. A little surprised to see Ben Franklin on there. But, but I thought, yeah, I'd follow any of those guys. And then I thought, if I was playing football for the NFL, who are the greatest quarterbacks that I'd love to follow? And they list Tom Brady, and I wouldn't follow him down the street. But, but... <laughs> Sorry, sorry. It's amen, just a amen. prejudice I have against the... I love the name Patriots, but I hate everything else about it. Uh, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Brett Favre. A little question about whether I'd follow him with some of his behavior. Joe Montana. But anyway, what, what am I talking about? Rodney, just control me here. I'm going off. So anyway, let me end, let me end with this. We need to get people into their groups. So if you want to be a kind of a leader that people buy in, you know, he has a list. And, and the first one is so critical. He develops relationships. That is more true, I think, in the 21st century than it's ever been. I think 50, 60, 70 years ago, you know, you just, you could be a college professor who never spoke to anybody and people, Einstein, you know. Nowadays, people are looking for someone who will look you in the eye and who will talk to you and develop relationships with you. The second, honest, authentic, develops trust. Third, holds himself to high standards. That's the picture. Gives people the proper tools, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, let's dismiss them into their groups. And I just flopped out a couple Here's what I would be interested in discussing. Who are the best leaders? Go around. Who are the best leaders you've ever followed? Why were they great leaders? I mean, if I was at, if I was at Paul Carr's table, I would be, in a sense, I'm interested in ESPN. I'd like to know which of the people he worked with at ESPN that I've watched on TV or whatever, would he say, you know, I'd follow that guy. I have to follow that guy for a certain reason. But some of, some of you guys have worked with some pretty cool people. And why don't you share maybe the name of, you know, you're going to maybe share about a certain football coach you used to work for. You know, you used to, you used to follow to the end of the gridiron. Why were they great leaders? What trait of the great leaders you have known would you most like to have? And I got that from our conversation at lunch yesterday when you asked me really this same question, and then I flipped it to you. And next week we'll do Law of Victory. Lead us in prayer, will you? And let's kick these guys out. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this morning. Um, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've bestowed and you've lavished on us, Lord. And I pray that we would not take it for granted, not take it 
uh, take advantage of it, Lord, but that we would uh, live our lives in a way that would honor you with what you've done, what you've blessed us with, um, and how you continue to sustain us. Lord, I pray that you would go before us. Uh, you would cause us to be men of courage, uh, men who, who um, take initiative on behalf of others, Lord, men who, who speak up, um, Lord, men who love you uh, and who live uh, to see your kingdom come. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be bold. Uh, you'd help us to love well. Uh, you would help us to reflect your son. I ask to pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen.